Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining me today with my guest, Steve Piscatello. He is the founder and president of Quab and Quills, and he's coming back for part two. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Oh, thank you so much for having with me. Uh, have, are you having me? I'm just so excited. So if I stumble <laughs> oh. over my words, just bear with me. Oh. You know what? It's live, it's real, and if we keep it real, then we are authentic and we are just human beings right. and sharing an hour together. And we become buddies, and I love we that have. about you. And I, you. I just, I, I really do appreciate you actually, Steve, ending my 2021 year with me because for the first time since I have been on Blog Talk Radio, which is well over three years, I am actually going to take the next two Mondays off, which I have never done. And so what better way to end my year podcasting, because trust me, there are five Mondays in January. I will Mm -hmm. be back. Um, But (laughs) what a great way to... Bring this year to a close with somebody that I so admire. And people are going, well, why? So why don't we start off for those Thank people you. that might have missed this first podcast by having you tell us about yourself because you are an interesting man. So take it away. Tell us about yourself, Steve. Well, thank you. Yes, my full name is Steve Piscatello, but I am an author, and I go by the name, uh, pen name Stephen Michaels. So if you're searching for my books or one book and all these anthologies, you'll be looking for the name Stephen Michaels. And I changed it only because I know uh, no one knows how to mm-hmm. spell it or say it correctly, and I've just accepted that. Um, you know, and it's, it's my middle name, so Stephen Michael Piscatello. So really, all I'm doing is adding an S to the middle name, and I'm holding on to my roots as best I can. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed writing. I like using a pen name, but when it really comes to Quab and Quills uh, and being the president of this great organization, I stick with Piscatello. So thank you for using my full and proper name. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, do you know how hard it is for people to say my name? They look mm. at it and they go, Why uh, that, right? Yeah, you know that. But when somebody, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> somewhere out and somebody's looking at W-I-E-W-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-E-T-
they are great swimmers and they really enjoy swimming. So it works for them. I could, I could, I could barely float. So that's ironic. So another reason I might not want to tell people that's my last name because I sink to the bottom when I get into a pool. <laughs> that's so, that is really funny. But you, you mentioned that yeah. you're, um, you know, the, the president and, and the founder, but um, you have yeah. another job and it's, a, it's your primary job. So tell us a little bit it about is. what you do. Yeah. So what so do you do? My yeah, my primary job is an ESLO teacher, which, of course, in New Hampshire translates to teacher of English for speakers of other languages. So some of you are probably more familiar with ELL, English language learners. Um, or and ESL. So I do that. Yes, ESL as well. I mean, there's so many acronyms. Um, but mm-hmm. so I have a handful of kids who English is not necessarily their first language. In some cases, um, they, their parents speak another language at home, and so therefore I'm also that support for them. And because I'm such a supporting uh, teacher, I also do intervention uh, for students in math and reading. So I'll take your child for, you know, uh, you know, work with addition, subtraction, um, pre-algebra. Uh, and if it's reading, then we try to work on comp and word work. So, and I've been doing this a long time. I actually have 14 years of teaching experience. And quite frankly, I love the role I'm in now. Um, I wasn't a fan of the classroom, um, being in the classroom, and we'll talk about that a little later in the program. Um, okay. But, yeah, having this job of support and being someone who can work one-on-one or even in small groups with kids has been really rewarding. What grade level do you teach? So my school is pre-K through 8, and I literally work with every kid, well, every grade from pre-K through 8 at my school, and it's been really okay. thrilling to go into all oh, the classrooms. That's nice. But and then mm-hmm. then you then you founded uh Quab and Quills. So let's let's talk about that. Yes. So in 2017 I founded Quab and Quills uh as a means of joining forces with other writers to get my stories published. Um we eventually became a 501c3 uh, develop a scholarship fund because as an educator, I wanted that to be a part of my mission. And now all our proceeds pretty much go back to the community. Um, and I am very proud to be the president and have been the president since I co-founded it in 2017. Nice. That's, that's really, that's really exciting. And, you know, when you and I have spoke before and I just like saying your last name, Steve, you know, um, it's like, <laughs> uh, how do you Q U A B B-I-N. What is, how do you say that? Yeah. So um, I know that it's pronounced Kwabin, and it's the Kwabin yeah. Reserve. Um, and so Reservoir. I thought you could tell us, oh, I, I, you know, it doesn't say That's reserve. Okay. It's, it's French. It's reservoir. Yeah. So yeah. it's French. So um, tell us, I mean, where, where are you located? And, and tell us about um, Kwabin, the Kwabin Valley. Yes, because so Quabbin Reservoir is located in western Massachusetts, and the Quabbin Valley itself is made up of the remaining surrounding the Quabbin Reservoir, which, in order to provide uh, drinking water for the Boston area in the 1930s, they flooded four towns, Dana, Enfield, Greenwich, and Prescott. And so I actually live in Orange, which is really on the border of uh, New Salem, which was really then next to the border of the Quabbin Reservoir. So I live just a little north of the Quabbin Reservoir, but we've got these four towns buried underwater, which is really kind of neat. And it's allowed uh, our writers in the area to come up with some really interesting stories, you know, based on that idea of these lost towns, which is really kind of cool. But I hope people weren't living there when it was flooded. No, they moved them all out. Um, oh, good. You know, they pretty much bought up the land and they all moved I away. See. 
Um, so, but, you know, but it's, it's a, it's kind of a point of contention too around here um, because, sure. you know, the, 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 the reservoir was, is basically primarily used from, for Boston area. So, you know, it's, it can be controversial at times, but at the same time, uh, I like honoring the area. Uh, it's still called mm-hmm. the Quabbin Valley. Um, you know, I have my doctors as North Quabbin family physician. So we use the word Quabbin a lot, which again, refers to this whole area. Um, I don't know what the actual word Quabbin means. I probably should really look into that. But it's a cute <laughs> little name. And of course, um, and then it lends itself to the great Quill, which is where the name came from. Um, and actually, a former employee of, employer of mine who was basically a nonprofit runner himself uh, helped me navigate the paperwork, and he kind of just gave me the title, and I just loved it. And so Quabbin Quills refers to the pen and not the porcupine. Although for <laughs> a long time, I imagined the logo as a porcupine putting pen to paper, but then I didn't want to confuse people. <laughs> so That's, that's yes, funny. Quill is the pen, yeah. Right. Well, you know, if you think about, like, I don't know. I I I visualize um, images when people mm-hmm. when I'm speaking to people because we're not looking at one another. So I'm I'm just focusing on your words, and somehow what I picture as you said that was this pen sitting inside this mm. pen holder with this big nice. quill, like you say, this feather-looking thing coming out of that. And I don't I why don't why I thought of Ben Franklin's beyond me, but oh, yes, um, I yes, you know it's. True. Why? Yeah, I do too sometimes. Oh, because yeah, he was so a prolific writer, you know, and it, it too. Um, you know, all the four founding fathers have the quills, you know, and then of course I think for the really, really literary nerds, you think of Shakespeare and his quill, um, right. you know, and that's the thing. And I will say our logo is beautifully designed. It was designed it by is. Emily Fountain, um, who who um, has moved on from our organization because she was on to bigger and better things. Um, but she was definitely a designer, and she uh, mm. she designed the covers of our first two uh, anthologies. We have a total of four. She designed the first two anthologies, uh, covers, and the logo. So she has a really great artistic eye, and so I don't think we'll ever change the logo because, again, the cue just lended it lended itself lent itself. My bad right. uh, to a <laughs> to a quill, uh, you know, a feathered pen coming down and forming the the the, the little. Uh, tail of the queue so it's it's just a cute little logo so please go to quabinquills.org and check it out because it is a beautiful little logo and it's on our facebook uh identification uh profile picture as well so for those of you that are listening and may not know how to spell this because you may not you might not have know how to spell quabin so i'm going to spell it mm-hmm. for you so that while you're listening you might want to check this out so it's spelled Q-U-A-B-B-I-N-Q-U-I-L-L-S dot org, Quabbin Quills. And, you know, in just, just in going back to the logo just for a quick second, so not only do you yeah. have this feather, but that yellow circle that it is going through isn't by mm-hmm. accident either. That, that no, is, that is the circle of yeah. life. And it, it mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's also eye catching with your yellow and the trees. Yeah, it, it's it's a beautiful logo, and your website is is excellently um, put together. So so congratulations on that. Thank while you. while we're talking about you know Quabbin, because this is really what we're going to be talking mostly about today, is why don't you tell us about your mission? What um, you told us how you wait? Did I ask you? 
Did, no, I don't think I asked you this yet. Nope, did I? That's where we're how you came yeah, up? How you great. came up with the, with the, with the name? Right. Let, t- tell us about that because that's kind of a cool story. Well, that's true. So the 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 yeah, the the quills itself. Um, I think just because we're writers. So my again, my former employee employer told me gave me that name, and I just loved it. Right. And it stuck. And then the idea of Quabbin, being able to give a voice to the voiceless of the region, um, really just really helps. So, and I live in Orange, and a lot of other um, authors also live in that area um, because we all, when we founded this organization, we all met up in part of the Quabbin Valley as well. Um, and so, the Athol Library was hosting an author expo night, and through the author author expo night, I met a bunch of other authors who basically um, agreed to come aboard and do this uh, crazy idea with me. Because as I was sitting around, we got to share stories. You know, we, we, I think we, we were going to go and just try to sell each other our books. Um, but then someone at the library, and I think it was uh, the librarian in charge, said, let's have a round table. Let's, let's share out. Let's everyone have a little read of what, what, we're, hmm. what we're here to present. And so in that moment, I got to listen to all these other authors. They weren't just trying to sell me their book. They were basically telling me their story. And in that moment, I knew that I could collect them all and create a great anthology for our area. So that, that was really what spurred this on. And so now we've gone on to our mission, which is really to yes. provide authors from the Quabbin region and greater New England to have your work uh, professionally published. So this allows up-and-coming authors to build their writing portfolios and also give casual writers an opportunity to be heard. Um, And then we expanded. We are fortunate enough to award high school scholarships in 2020. And Mm. with the community support, we hope to continue that tradition as well as publish anthologies uh, annually. So every year we've done one since 2017. So we've got four out there for your perusal. Go on to Amazon.com and you can check us out for sure. and like I said, we just launched the fourth anthology, which is Beyond the Pathway. And that, that thing is gorgeous. Um, yes. We'll definitely talk about that. Uh, it's, Indeed. It's, I'm so proud of it. And because, you know, we've come a long way at how we develop these. And I really think this is our uh, shining star right now, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. And you, you have a re- awarded six scholarships, haven't you? So, uh, yes. And those scholarships were to high school students, I believe, right? Yep. So with uh, our third anthology, Voices of the Valley, which, again, I think harkens to this unheard, unseen villages of Quabbin, uh, we, we were prepared to give out a scholarship. So we opened up a second portal. We have two portals, one for general submissions and one for high school submissions and college, because it's, it's uh, any, any student in school right now, uh, high school and above, can apply for our scholarships. And what's really great is that they submit – um, you know, a poem, a story, nonfiction, fiction, whatever they like. And as long as it fits with the theme. So for voices, mm-hmm. there was a lot of expression, uh, poetry worked really well um, for that one. For Beyond the Pathway, where we're looking for that whole journey of life kind of thing. Um, but that's the great thing about our titles. Um, they really do lend themselves to an open interpretation. So no one really feels like you can't submit. You shouldn't feel like you can't submit. You should, you should interpret that widely and then let us have at it because once you submit, and this is true of our general submission, we will work with you to make it better, uh, to improve it. And, but for the kids, we really hope that they kind of really show us their creativity. So um, we have yet to reject a scholarship winner, which is great. Um, nice. You know, we have some very great hopefuls. 
Um, and we've always said if we get more than the three that we've gotten out, that, that, that we at least will work with them to get them published so that they have that to their credit, which is really nice. Great. So just the idea of making these novice writers um, into published authors is a really huge part of our mission. And, you know, giving away a scholarship just means that we're setting them on the right track for, you know, a future, you know, because they can use that money to buy books. They can put it towards their rent, um, which is, you know, really the important part of giving them a scholarship check. Yes, they've earned it. Yes, we give them a certificate. Um, but and ultimately, some of what they choose to do with that money to better their education is ultimately up to them. That's so do you do you stay in touch with these with these young writers once you know you've we given these scholarships? We absolutely do, yes. um, because quite frankly, that's the sustainability of a scholarship program and this and our nonprofit. Uh, with our first, we so we one of our tops our first top scholarship winner was Aiden Needle of Athol, Massachusetts, and he submitted. He won, and then I told him, please, oh please, submit to us again, and he did. So he was more than grateful and thankful to submit one more time. So we've now featured him in two anthologies, and I'm pretty sure he'll get the summons to go into our uh, next anthology as well. Um, so that was really great. And then uh, our second place winner, Cecilia Jinanuski, she came to be our intern. We did an internship with her. She helped us do a lot of great organizational stuff. She came on as an editor, uh, part of our editorial board. And so now she's actually our group secretary so she attends oh, wow. meetings and what's great is even though she's off in uh, I believe you're part of the you're part of the uh, United States taking classes um, she's able to zoom into meetings and help us still make decisions which is really great so and that was that was really a big part of the mission to set up a scholarship not just to give them a check and say hey good luck with that but say hey here's a check go get yourself an education and then you know what if you've got more writing in you send it back, send it back to us. Um, because I know I'm not going to be around forever. You know, I know, and that's silly for me to say at 41 years old, but it's <laughs> the truth. None of us are going to be around here forever. So if you can reach the young, if you can reach the kids who, um, who, you know, will replace us essentially, then you've created some sustainability for your organization. I really feel like by giving away a scholarship, keeping that submission portal open for all writers ensures the sustainability of Quab and Quills. All writers within the New England area. I need to re I yes. need to be mindful of that, and not that's that okay. England that's across the pond, but the one that's on this side of <laughs> yeah, the pond, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh my but goodness! We wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be here without them either, though. So let's bear that in mind, you know. Okay, <laughs> that's right. And you know, I I think we should also mention here that yes, this particular podcast has a regional aspect to it because that's where you live and that's where your organization is but i think it's really important because people all across the country listen to these podcasts and you may be inspiring that future teacher that student teacher that writer that someone mm -hmm. that's thinking wow why aren't we doing this in our community why don't we think about right. doing this at i have a friend that teaches kindergarten why don't I bring yeah. this to her attention and say, have you guys ever thought about doing something like this? I can put you in contact with my friend, and maybe you yeah. can learn how you could do this here in our school community, which right. that, that just grows this opportunity. That just grows this as humanity. And that's yeah. when people say, why do I love what I do? 
for this very mm-hmm. reason. Because, yep. you know, you are a nonprofit, and yes, you, you're selling books, and I'm in favor of you doing that. But you're Thank looking you. to really help people. And let's, let's talk about, because I think Beyond the Pathway just recently came out, didn't it? It did indeed. So let's yep. talk about it. So we launched uh, Beyond the Pathway in September, and it was just an awesome event. Uh, Because of COVID, we had to do a virtual book launch the previous year, but that was also really successful. Uh, Thanks to the Athol Library, they gave us a Zoom account so that we could get as many of our authors on there to share and do readings, and we gave away our scholarship. So it really gave us the momentum to be like, look, we can have a huge book launch. We can can really celebrate our books, and we had always done that. in the very first anthology, we celebrated at the Athol Library, where, of course, we all met. Uh, you know, the majority of, of the authors contributing to that book met at the Author Expo in the Athol Library, so it made sense to go there and do that. When the Athol Library was closed due to COVID, we had to find another means, but it was still the Athol Library that got us the Zoom account so that we could have this live streaming cool event. But COVID was a bummer. As much as I learned a lot from COVID, it was a huge bummer. So when the opportunity to do an in-person event came, we took it. And we all agreed that as much as we wanted to go back to the Athol Library, it was time to do something a little more outdoorsy, especially because COVID was lingering. And so we um, we to the Red Apple Farm in Phillipston, Massachusetts, again, still in this Quabbin area, Western Mass region. And these guys were so happy to sponsor us and provide us with cider donuts, you know, Mm. and apple cider, and their brew barn, which was open for business. It was not an open bar, per se, but it was a cash bar. So um, I very nicely had myself a cup of hard cider as I (laughs) was the MC of the evening, and, you know, it was great. It was What's great about the in-person events is definitely meeting all the authors in the anthology. As you said, You know, the biggest thing about these anthologies, and again, anthology is just a collection of stories. It really is. It could be like the Beatles. There's the Beatles anthology albums, which is really just a hodgepodge of all the things they ever recorded put onto an album. Okay, so live stuff, uh, little mistakes, outtakes, alternative takes. That's when they throw it all together like that. Now, our anthologies aren't outtakes or different takes, but they are different takes on the same theme. So, the fact that you've got all these authors in a room who interpreted the, the one theme very different ways creates such an awesome atmosphere. And so, you know, we had live readings. We, we all got to meet each other. We all got to congratulate each other. Um, a couple of our state reps were there really um, championing mm. us and helping us out and so proud of what we had done. Of course, because this was the second year in a row announcing scholarship winners, we, ha- we invited our scholarship winners, some of which were out of state now. Um, in fact, um, our top prize winner was a New Hampshire uh, writer because we did. We expanded to New England because we wanted to chalk, make these things bigger and better with each one. And like I said, it, um, in comparison to our other anthologies, Beyond the Pathway is huge. It's, it's, it's twice as big as our other anthologies. Um, still a good read. But again, the beauty of anthology is, is skipping around looking at the titles of each story and we did something really great, which was to categorize the stories into subgenres and themes so that you can go into our book looking for exactly what you want. And so I, I'm just 
exceedingly proud of the work that went into Beyond the Pathway. I'm proud of the work that went into launching it. And I just, I, I honestly, I can't wait for the next one because that's how awesome it was. And, you know, I really like the cover as well. I think that mm. the cover suggests that there's something beyond you know, it's that yes. person just sitting there. Um, I like the colors. I like I like the way that actually came out, and I think that that looks that looks really really terrific. And I think anthology is interesting. So, an anthology, just so that I'm clear, could a poem? Mm-hmm. In other words, is there a, is there a length? Is there a length of words that goes into an anthology? Like, can it be no more than X amount of words or? You know what I mean? What what? How do you right. find that part? True. Well, so we have submission guidelines which explain like how long is too long of a story. In fact, okay, it, it, things short is pretty good for an anthology. Short is better in some ways because we want to be able to sample and give out, um, you know, get enough pieces in there to make it interesting. So short poems are perfect. You know, in fact. I think most of your anthologies are probably poetry anthologies or poetry and short story and fiction. Um, a lot of times we, we ask for excerpts from a longer story, so that's always a possibility. In fact, there are several excerpts from longer novels um, and other people's collections featured in our anthology because um, my goal has always been to promote other writers as well. So. I, and I especially like, and I like bringing in, um, you know, experienced writers, published writers, so that when they when they are featured in this book, then that gives a little credit to the person who's the first timer. So that that gives a little gravitas to both you know to both parties. You know, look look, I'm published in this. I've been published in all four, and you know, and I, this is my first one. But look, this person is an awesome writer on the next page, and I'm on this you know basically yeah. in the same chapter as them. You know, that's that's just. I mean. It's just a boost of confidence. I mean, let's I'll be completely honest with you, uh, Marsha. You know, a lot of, as, as much as we talk about how wonderful and community is, this was a self-serving pro, uh, project for me. <laughs> I was tired of, reje- tired of rejection. I, I knew I couldn't, and I knew I couldn't write the next great American novel. I'd written one novel, novella, okay, and that was a hard process. Um, it was it was it was not my best work. I loved I loved writing it at the time, but you know, after all was said and done, I knew I didn't have enough energy to really put into promoting this or trying to answer the question, well, what are you gonna do next? You know, well yeah. I know what I'm gonna do next now. It's gonna work with other people to make myself a better writer because that's the thing. Mm-hmm. As I continue to um submit each year, you know, I I I very bravely allow myself to be editorialized by the others in my group. You know, it's never, it's not an easy, you know, you know, just because I'm the president doesn't mean I'll get my piece in or that I have to work at it. I definitely have to work at it. And I like that. You know, I want the feedback. You know, we need the feedback as writers. And in, in order to improve, it's very important that we get the feedback um, so that our best work is going forth. And so that, with each yeah. anthology, my, my writing is getting much better as well. Uh, well, and that, and that makes sense to me, uh, what you just said. Yeah. So, you know, I've talked to a lot of authors this year. I would say that probably 
80% of my shows this year have been authors, which I have found very interesting because of the style in which they write. Some people, I've talked to people where they, they use post-it cards, or you know, like uh, index cards. I've talked to mm. people where they get a journal out and they just start handwriting. Yeah. I've talked to people where they, they get out a Word document and they just start writing. I mean, it's very interesting. So I'm interested to have you take us through the process of putting this together through, you know, how you do this, the process of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, given that there's a whole board of us, it, it's a cool process. So first we have a meeting just to brainstorm ideas. Um, and we usually do this like a month after our last anthology. So, you know, you'd think we would take a little break, and we do. I guess I guess uh, four to five weeks is a good break. But um, And I think this year we might have stretched it to five, maybe six. But so – um, you know, but we have a meeting and we and we used to have it in person. Now we have it on Zoom, which is great so that our, mm-hmm. you know, our, uh, you know, our secretary who's like states away can join us. And so we sat about and we we discuss it all. Uh, and there is eight of us who make up the executive board. So and we actually meet monthly as best as we can to really promote our books and develop. We we, we sit around and we discuss and we you know, we we can drag out a, a, a Google Doc and we can type all our thoughts simultaneously, which is really cool. And then once the title is decided, we open our submissions portal. Um, usually my vice president Garrett and my treasurer James, they work really hard at like crafting like the portal and what that looks like and sounds like to entice people to want to submit. Um, and so, and then we, so the submission portal is open. So again, it's open right now. Um, so if you are living in new England, definitely living in new England or known or know someone who lives in new England, get them the message. Or maybe, maybe you used to live in new England 10 years ago and you moved out of state, out of region. Well, you're still New England in my opinion. So wow. let that be known. Okay? Nice. Let that be known nice that to you, know that. We're here for a time. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because you know, we want your stories. We want New England stories. So if, if if you were once part of the region, tell us. Let us reach out to us. We we could make that work. So the portal is open right now, um, and eventually it will close. Actually it closes February twenty eighth. So if you go to quabandquills.org slash submissions, the submission tab, you'll find the two portals there. So if you're a scholarship student looking, uh, looking, you know, at schools in New England, and you are a New England student, preferably, um, because I'd love to invite you out to, you know, if you live regionally, then you can come to our, you know, in-person book launch, and then we can make a big deal about you. That's the other cool thing, you know, honoring kids locally really inspires them you know, more so than me just sending a check in the mail. So I want to be able to do it locally as much as possible. So after a few months, we close the portal. And in this particular moment, we are are closing the portal on February 28th. That's when the team of experienced writers who all volunteer to read pieces will provide feedback to the authors via Google Docs. And the great thing about Google Docs is, of course, it has the suggested edits and comment feature. So... um, so as I assign pieces to my editorial board, um, they'll, they'll make all the comments and suggestions, um, and then I'll make those edits and suggestions available to the author. Um, basically, that author, um, we encourage the author to accept the edits as is. You know, there's, there's some room for debate because uh, authors are passionate people. There's no doubt sure. about it. You know, they're uh-huh. like, oh. So in some cases, we, we, do, we do a great work session. You know, there's a lot of back and forth, which is fantastic, you know, because with the back and forth, that person becomes a better writer. So, um, and that's why it's not always just one editor. Sometimes it's two editors um, because I, 
firmly of the opinion that, you know, not every piece is going to be to someone's liking. You know, the last mm-hmm. thing I want to do is set up a piece with someone I know isn't going to like it. And that's true. You know, so I, 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 being a people person, as you said about me, is, is probably the most important part of my job. I, you know, I am president and I've had other people be submission coordinator and they've done a fabulous job too. But the, the important part of this process is probably matching up the editor with, with the writer. Um, you know, just to, and, and if I do make a, a mistake of matching an editor, because there's no way of knowing, we even, this past round, we took out the, the names of the authors. So when I send out your piece, um, I, I just use your initials. Um, and so, so you're, be, you're being read by a complete stranger. It's two strangers getting to know each other through a piece of writing, which is also a really fabulous thing. And if I find that the, uh, the editor is, you know, being overly critical of this piece, you know, they'll flag it, first of all. They, we, they, they basically identify it as whether it needs more work or not. And so at that point, I can parlay with the author, and then I can bring in a second editor. So there's always the possibility of you getting your piece looked at by not just one person but two to really ensure that it gets there or gets to the level that it needs to be. Uh, because, again, our goal is to get it ready for publication. So, um, and because of this process of, you know, submit, comment, uh, accept the edits or second opinion, um, we have a very low rejection rate. Okay. We've, we, uh, in truth, we only ever rejected something if it didn't conform to our submission guidelines or is too far removed from the theme or looks to be plagiarized. So once all oh, yeah. pieces have been submitted, the entire anthology is organized and then professionally copy edited. So we, again, two of my editorial boards, they love to get in there and edit. Um, and so they will read it you know, they will pretty much read the anthology from cover to cover in that manuscript form and really double check it and look it over, which is really so wonderful of them to do. How many how many submissions do you typically get? I mean, I know you've done four yeah. now and you're going to do your fifth one, but I mean, maybe you're getting more as, as this right. process grows, but how, about how so, many submissions do you think you typically get? Yeah, so each author, so each anthology suits with just about over 20 authors. And, and then, of course, each author can submit up to three poems or a couple short stories. And so our last anthology, for example, Beyond the Pathway, featured 60 pieces, okay, and just about uh, 30 authors. And before that, it was like 25 and somewhere between, you know, 40 and 50. So I think on average, we get about 50 pieces in there, but I'm always looking to fill it more. Um, again, mm-hmm. with good quality pieces, those, again, people who are willing to put in the work, um, that's, that's a wonderful thing. And so we, we encourage as much of our submissions as possible. So, yeah, this last one with 60, uh, 60 pieces makes it a beautifully thick um, book, you know, not too mm-hmm. heavy. It's not like – and, you know, I, I, I wanted to point out, you know, those of you who are still trying to wrap your head around what is an anthology, well, you know, in, in school, and I'm, I'm guilty of having taught from one of these things, it was those big honking books, you know. It had all the – you know, and a lot of times it was broken up by historical fiction and whatnot. You know, those, those are also anthologies. You know, they just have – and so, for, you know, for years, teachers have been teaching out of these anthologies, um, you know. You know, with with the move to online, I guess there's not much for that use for that literature textbook anymore. But you know, those of you who are trying to wrap your head around it, those those are the mm-hmm. anthologies that um, really you know sort of spawned or inspired this idea as well. Well, what, what's interesting to me is that 
I'm trying to think about this writer, this the, the 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 actual writer person that's submitting, and you talked about that there could be poetry, and then there can be like these short stories. Is the person that could write poetry, do they have the same brain and interest to write a short story as well? It seems like they're two well, completely different genres. No, um, because I I I consider myself a poet and a short story writer. I love writing okay. both. Um, oh, I, I, when I, I, I love words, you know, mm-hmm. I, and, you know, I love that you have a word of the day. I've been following yeah. that pretty succinctly. And as a, and, you know, as the Twitter manager of Quab and Quills, I'm liking just about every word of your day. Um, I love <laughs> Did you that see you, what it was you know, today? Well, so today was, my was word journal, to... yes? Yeah, I thought of you. You that's told so me about funny. it, but I didn't get to see it. But, that's and okay. And I will like it later, I promise you. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> but, I, know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean I, to interrupt, but go ahead. No, no. As a lover of words, you know, I think you can do poetry and short stories. And I, and I, but, you know, there are the authors that can only do poems, and there are the authors who could probably only do short stories. Uh, there are authors who only are good at nonfiction and writing those personal narratives. And we have a handful of those. And some of those, mm-hmm. sometimes those personal narratives, the, the I voice, you know, of experiences that happen to you, those are great stories. People love hearing those stories, and people love telling those stories. I'm a dreamer, so I've always enjoyed writing fiction. Um, it's much easier for me to hide behind my characters, if you know what I mean. Uh, not yes. that I'm not an open person, it's just, uh, but I'm a dreamer. I'm a creator. I like creating characters. I like creating mm, people and just giving them emotion, creating life, I suppose. Um, and so as the dreamer, uh, and maybe even the poet, I think because I enjoy poetry, maybe I have a better time at writing fiction because I can create something out of nothing i don't know um i don't really want to cool. sound over overzealous or whatever i i, I, no. I should be humble but you know at the same oh, time I, I wrote a piece for i wrote a piece for beyond the pathway and you know again that i'll go back to that whole process of all right we're gonna we're gonna send out our pieces with only the initials right so my piece got read you know without my name attached to it and you know and so it comes back as Wow, this this might be our strongest piece, and I'm like, okay, can I confess? That's that's my piece. <laughs> and they're like, oh wow, oh Steve, and I'm like, thank you. And you know, they really didn't. They didn't know. I, you know, we we kept it not so much a secret, but just to keep that unbiased there. Because again, why should I, just as president of my organization, get you know get tout tout over all the other people in my right. piece? No, I, you know, I've. I've kind of set this up as a challenge for myself. Yes, I took out, I took away the hurdle of rejection, but I didn't take away the hurdle of critique. That I think is really important. Um, you know, as much as I said earlier that this is a subserving, uh, you know, self-serving, you know, project, it isn't. Okay. Uh, you know, I want, I want this project to make me a better person. I want it to make me a better writer, and I want to invite other people to become better writers as well. I love that. I think the desire is, is absolutely perfect. And you kind of just take you, that's a perfect segue in talking about your um, writer's journey because it is, and it's, it's an interesting story, and I thought maybe you could share that. Oh, yes. So, um, so my desire to become a published author came about after a disastrous stint of teaching at the high school level. So um, as we pointed out, I am a teacher now, but there was a time where I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. So, uh, so it was about 2007. I was let go from a teaching job after three years, 
at a school that was very difficult. Um, uh, the school at that time had a very uh, toxic environment, um, and my spirit was just crushed. You know, I'm, the kids were awful. The, it felt like mm. the admin wasn't really supporting me in the way they should. And, but, you know, I internalized a lot of that. You know, I can, I, you know, I just said the kids weren't very good, but then part of me goes back and says, well, was it, was it me or the kids, you know, because I'm at that point in my educational career where I'm, where I, I have to take responsibility for how these kids act because I'm in charge of them, you know, for a good portion of their day. So, you know, as an early teacher, we make a lot of mistakes. And so this, again, this was my first three years of teaching, four, because I taught mm -hmm. somewhere else prior to that. But, you know, I came to the school, but I'll, I'll be honest, you know, that school had a lot of red flags, a lot of things that said, you don't want to teach here anymore, like in my first and second year. And I just didn't, I missed it because I wanted to be that energetic, gung-ho person. But so by my third year, I was taking antidepressants. I, 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 I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't. Hmm. I, you know, That's I was teaching scary. out of anthology. I was teaching. I was just sort of up there talking and the kids were running wild. It was, it was true. It was getting bad. And so, um, you know, and so, you know, they let me out of my contract because they knew, and it wasn't that I didn't care. It's just, I didn't know how to do it at that school anymore. So, you know, they let me go. They apologize. You know, we, we parted ways nicely in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and of course, I was being let. They knew I was being let go at the end of the year, and but then they started to notice what a person I was because you know I was still staying late, even though, and I didn't call in sick. You know, I wasn't using up all my sick time. You know, I was there trying to make you know trying to piece together the mess that was my final year of teaching there. Um, but you know, so what basically when I was let go from there, it was a relief, but it was a wake up call. It's like, okay, do you, I? I spent the rest of that summer not wanting to go back into teaching. I was just like, I, I don't think I can do it. You know what? I'm, you know what? I'm just going to stay home and I'm going to write. And that's basically what I decided to do. That's great. Um, so, um, you know, but, you know, I was on unemployment, so I had to make the effort to look for a job. And I did. You know, so I went on interviews and I waited. I heard back. But, you know, sometimes the teaching profession isn't easy to get into. You know, we're always talking about wanting more teachers in there, but, you know, you go in and you get usually get interviewed by a team of other teachers and they decide whether they want you or not. And more often than not, you don't get hired as a teacher because you lack experience. No one really wants a brand new teacher out of the gate because they know that means, you know, oh, they're going to have problems in the classroom. They're going to, you know, they know, you know, I, that's the reality of it. So, you know, I knew I wasn't going to get a a teaching job because I kept going on interviews and people were like, Oh no, we, we found, we went in another direction or whatever. So, you know, so I, I had a few, you know, so, you know, to add insult to injury, I had these interviews and wasn't getting hired. Well, <clears throat> it gets to be October. You know, I was hoping to start teaching in September. So, you know, so while September rolls around, I'm starting to write my novella. Okay. I grab my uh, English sophomore journal where we had to write every day. And I was just like, I can't write about what I had for breakfast or who I fought with at the cafeteria as a sophomore, because that's what all my friends were doing. I needed to be that creative spirit. And so I started writing a mystery novel um, in, in, as a sophomore in high school. And, you know, I looked over there and I had done, I had a whole bunch of, I had written a whole bunch of stories in high school, really. And I never really gave up on writing. I just hadn't had the time. So, you know, a blessing and a curse. Here I was stuck at home watching, knowing my <laughs> wife with that, by the way, because she's like, okay, but did you, you know, <laughs> but the truth is I, I was writing and I was, 
you know, trying to find work. And but by October, I had found I had found a school that was willing to hire me as a Title One person. So I was I was very excited to. Well, I wasn't super excited to go back to work, but I basically right. completed that first leg of the novel, and that was really exciting to me. But like I said, I was I was dreading going back into the classroom. But I will say, when I came to Winchester School, and that's where I am now, it felt okay. very different. Um, I walked into the school and I was asked to sort of observe that first day or even actually I think it was, uh, you know, after the interview, go up there, go see the kids, get to get to know them, you know, which was neat, was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I so I got to sit in a classroom just before starting there, you know, and the kids kind of took to me for some reason, you know, in a way that they <laughs> didn't take to me. But again, I was Aww. I was brand new. They didn't know me from Adam, but mm-hmm. I, I felt a level of respect that I hadn't gotten at my previous school. And I think that made all the difference. And, you know, and it also helped that I wasn't going to be a full-time classroom teacher. Um, It takes a very special person to be a full-time classroom teacher these days. And even in the past, you know, you've got to juggle a whole bunch of things. And, you know, and as much as I'm focused and prepared and organized, I I can't multitask as well as I'd like to, to. So, um, you know, I wrote my great novel. I went back to teaching. Um, and so now I'm just kind of living happily ever after because That's so now nice. I can write stories. Yeah. Now I can write stories, um, you know, pretty much yearly poems yearly. I can dust off old journals because again, it is important that you, you just try to keep writing as much as possible. And, sure. you know, so I have that opportunity to submit something to my work, have it given feedback to. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm living pretty well now. Um, you know, you know, yes, well, in the time we have, I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you because you and I could no. really speak for two hours we could. and I'm looking mm-hmm. at the clock. So I, I, so I apologize for that interruption, but I know that you no. sort of, you took your role for teaching and then you've incorporated this into your nonprofit. And yes. I want to talk about that. But I also want to spend some time talking about, you know, how you determined your your scholarship winners? So mm. uh, there's a lot we can talk about, Steve, and and I I want to I want to certainly be certain that we leave some time towards the end to to redirect oh, back to cascades and currents, and also how mm, people yeah. can donate to your organization. Which I will just say right now Perfect. that I will absolutely hyperlink all of this information that you've been sharing with us today so that people that are listening can find a way to make a financial donation, can purchase your books, can do any of these things. But, you know, here you are, you're a teacher. You hated the job. Mm -hmm. You come back to teaching with a new new desire, and now you're just working to – help these scholarship kids and so tell us tell us take us more about that kind of information now sure so um you know as a teacher i think i just think giving back to the community community is so important and that and like i said as a teacher that's my entire job so through education i try to better the lives of our children and there is no better way to give back to our communities than that so i think encouraging kids to continue their education is so valuable and, you know, one of the great things about being a Winchester teacher is we have the saying that every child, every chance, every day. So I really do want to give every child, regardless of background, the opportunity to get that higher education if they desire it. Um, so, you know, this even led to a partnership with Jumbo Code recently, which is out of Tufts University. And I will say that this program is great because 
it, uh, it gives college students an opportunity to, to basically start a tech project with an area nonprofit. And they chose us mm. probably because of the whole scholarship thing and the novice writers and the, you know, so it had all the earmarks of a great organization for which to work with. And so they, and we talked about how they could help us. And one of the things I think we really talked about helping us is how can we refine that submission process, but also the feedback and critique process. So right now, Jumbo Code is trying to work out a website called Quabbin Connect. It'll be in addition to our regular website. But Quabbin Connect is basically going to be an online network for other writers who are preparing themselves for publication. So they can use this website and not necessarily submit to us, but they can definitely use it as a tool to perfect their writing and then submit to us when they're ready, which is great. Nice. And it's going to be usable for uh, school kids as well. So um, it'll have far-reaching capabilities within this New England region. Again, going back to that New England scholarship. So, you know, we send out, I just sent out a bunch of letters encouraging local high schools to, to send this link to their students. And, you know, when it was COVID, we said, hey, you're an English teacher, you're looking for remote learning, this is it. You know, honestly, you know, we have a portal there, we give them a little writer's response. Um, because, uh, you know, my vice president, co-founder Garrett Zucker, he's, also, he's a high school English teacher. So he very carefully crafts the submission portal in such a way that it, it becomes a writing assignment. So we really do encourage all high schoolers in New England and some college students as well um, to check out that portal and see if you have something that would fit our theme and, and really give it your all. Um, I think that's the best part of this is knowing that we're going to give away a scholarship, a scholarship to a kid who may has never been published before. Let's face it. Very few kids other than their college literary magazine or high school literary magazine um, have the opportunity to be published. So this is a great opportunity for them. So, and again, um, you know, giving kids this opportunity to be published and recognized is so huge, you know, and I will say I went around when this, when this finally came to print, okay, you know, I've seen the manuscript and everything, but when Beyond the Pathway came to print, I looked at it and I said, wow, this is a real book. This is the most beautiful of the anthologies. And, it, in, you know, it's longer than my novella, first of all. So that's <laughs> so it looks like a real book and it's beautiful. And so I went around to many of the classes here and I said, hey, guys, you know, you've got a Keene High School. That's where my kids end up going. They end up going to Keene. Winchester kids will go into Keene High School. And so Keene High School is the winner of this scholarship. So I told them about her. I shared a little bit of her story. I said, look, if, when you get to Keene and you want to submit, I'd love to give you guys a scholarship. You know, and, and so I just them and then them just knowing that, hey, Mr. P, he's a teacher, but he's also an author is such an inspiration, you know, to yes. them and to me to know that, you know, I can have my cake and eat it too. Cause that's the thing, you know, I always, always, always wanted to be a, a famous author, but I knew that it was going to take a little bit of sacrifice. It was going to take some, you know, penny scrimping, you know, days if I was going to go the starving artist route. And I knew that I had to have a fallback, you know, teaching became my fallback, but teaching is so rewarding that, you know, so now I've got a fallback that is working simultaneously with, an, with a dream that is getting me to be more famous. Um, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, they said everyone's going to get the 15 minutes. And now that I've been on your show twice, I don't know, maybe that's a 30 minute of fame. <laughs> no. I, I'm, no, you know, no, no. I'm really tempting fate, aren't I? But <laughs> no. you know, I'm so proud of the work I've done. 
I'm so proud that I am an author, a published author. And, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. sometimes that's all we can ever hope for is, is, is putting yourself out there, knowing that somewhere, somewhere down the road, whether it's 50 years from now, 100 years from now, or tomorrow, someone might pick up my book and read my story and be like, wow, that was a really great story. And that's all it really does. That's all it really takes is to be famous, is someone else reading it who you've never known and enjoying it on a level that you have no idea could exist. Well, keep in mind, you are also um, a writer with children. So, yeah, you know, they're going to be the ones that are going to say when you're long gone, you know, look mm-hmm. what dad wrote Yeah, 40 yeah. years ago, 50 years ago, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I think that – and. and that was then, and who's to say how many more will come down the road? I mean, I just, I yeah. think it's terrific, and I and I think your website, like you said, is is very well organized so that people can um, submit um, to the portals, like you had mentioned, and mm-hmm. and then um, I, I really I really love I love I love the fact that it's called Cascades and Currents because. What you have written underneath that is the river of life is never straight nor calm. There are rocky mm-hmm. riverbeds, lazy bends, flowering cascades, and at the same time, unpredictable currents. That just draws – and then, okay, can I just say – and at the bottom of that, yeah. you say, what, what is your story? Come on now. Did you mm-hmm. take that from me? I got my hand <laughs> on my hip. Um, because honestly – yeah, what we, is your story? But, we all have to what? submit. You have to submit a story, and a poem is a story. It's just inverse. <laughs> there you go. But but don't we all have them? And isn't isn't that the connector to what you and I mm-hmm. love doing? Is yeah. that you not not everybody? Listen, I would submit that everybody does have a story. Not everybody yeah. wants to. They share that story, mm-hmm. nor do they think that anybody else would find their story interesting. I disagree with that. I think everybody's mm-hmm. life is a story, and I like yes. hearing their stories. You know, some are more painful than others. I get that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that what you're doing is so important, and I know that you would really appreciate people supporting you and and donating to you and and maybe you could just talk a little bit about that before we're suddenly you know out of time because the portal is definitely there for anthology Mm -hmm. number five and you have quite a bit of time what did i say the deadline is um for february 28th right february of next year and and there's general requirements and there's all kinds of um of links and uh, oh and, and and you know what here's something I just yes. read this for short stories and essays up to two pieces from 500 to 4,000 words. So you actually mm-hmm. have what poems are like. Wait, you can yeah. even submit photography too? Yes. So now we're going to wow. have to be black and white because color photos are harder and don't don't uh, develop well, especially when making mass production, mass produced books. So yeah, we really want to add art to this. Um, I think because our cover has been so fascinating, and we try to encourage a local artist to do it. Uh, Siri Patton, who we 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 basically mentioned but didn't mention, uh, did this beautiful uh, cover. And of course, in the previous years, we've had other local authors as well. So the fact that we yeah we want to fill it up with some pictures. You know, New England is really beautiful in all oh, four oh seasons of the year. So yes. you know, I think it the the 
photography around here really lends itself to some things, but it would have to be in black and white. So, so you know, think about that stark contrast. And again, what, um, you know, how does that photograph tie into cascades and currents? So there probably should be some element of water and waterfall, but those are some of the nicest pictures when you really think about it. So I think that'll be really fun to see what we get. And, you know, the other thing that we I don't want to fail to discuss is that you also use these proceeds for other organizations, don't you? Yes. So, yes, it's so important that you mention that. Thank you. Um, so we, we, started, we started basically these Facebook contests. Uh, James Tebow, my tre- treasurer, he was the mastermind behind it. Um, and basically he came up with these Facebook uh, poetry contests. Once, one, it was haiku. Once we, yeah, the first one we did was haiku. And then the second one was book spine poetry such cool things. I mean, other people have tried it, which is great. So there's plenty of examples when we do it. But, but basically, you know, he, we put it out to other members of our organization, previous authors and other online users, and they submit to us either the haiku or the spine poem, usually a picture. And then the great thing about Facebook is the ability to basically ask for donations with every given post. So then that, so whoever posts it can then, you know, ask for the donations and then whoever gets the most donations from their post and their poem is basically the winner which is really great so the person gets you know he gets that notoriety of having been the top you know uh you know winner of his you know poem or piece and then so all the money is collected from facebook and then we split we split that we split that contest proceeds we split it with another organization so the first organization we partnered with was bread of life of malden and it was very important that we chose them because they really needed to help the boston area and other local areas with covid and the food supply chain um you know people not being able to get out and get food like they needed to but bread of life was there to support and do that so we very um happily gave them i think it was 250 dollars and then um this last one so really we've actually gave over $800 to outreach groups so between bread of life and then actually the second the spine contest was with valuing our children of Athol which of course an organization dear to my heart but was suggested by another person on my board so again it's never just my ideas Uh, I am Mm -hmm. so thankful for all the people that I work with um, you know, I don't do this alone. I couldn't do this alone, in all honesty. So it's so it's so nice having a, net, a writer's network, a editorial board, you know, an executive board helping me make these cool decisions and coming sure. up with these great ideas. So you know, we we were able to give uh, you know like six hundred dollars or more to valuing our children, which is really just um, helping families. They address. Uh, the needs of parents, uh, barriers to individual family involvement, and basically, you know, helping some of those lower-income families, especially um, in, in the Athol area and beyond. So it's just great. Um, and so donating on Facebook is certainly one way to help us out. We have a PayPal giving fund on our website, so there's many ways you can contribute to us that don't necessarily result in you buying a book. But I really want to encourage you to buy the book because it's such sure. a great little gift that you get for supporting us. Holidays, um, sure. And again, it gets those authors recognized because, you know, we are looking for authors. Uh, we do want authors to be recognized. And I, and I think our authors have a lot of great things to say. I think you'll find that our stories are inspiring. Um, they're short and to the point. So, again, in these hectic times, you know, I understand not really sitting and getting an hour to yourself to read 
you know, a full length novel. So let alone write one. So, uh, you know, an anthology is a beautiful little piece of writing that, you know, lends itself to be picked up on and off over the course of a year or, you know, throughout the day. Um, and, you know, so, you know, you can just look at it anytime and you can pick your favorites and just reread your favorites or read the whole thing and tell us what you think. So, yeah. I will make sure that I include that Facebook link um, in the follow-up blog so that people can do this. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a contest. So that means anybody can go to the contest, right? But but only the New England people. We haven't had one in a while, but. Okay. All right. But But am I right? Yeah, actually, the, the writing contest is, is is for anyone um, on Facebook. Oh. So um, just know that the proceeds that the, the donations that you generate will go to our our organization and a local organization in the New England area. So the writing con- contest when you when you have your next one is open to anyone, mm-hmm. not just the people in New England. But yeah, the, the proceeds go to mm-hmm. um, to um, to your organization so that's that's really good to know and i i will yeah. i'll follow up with you on that so that i get that accurate sure. information um in you the got it. follow-up blog um because i i you're giving people an, an enormous amount of opportunities to not only support you but think about what they like maybe you're that mm-hmm. grandma that's that's listening a grandpa that's listening to this show right now and you're thinking you know i need to sit down while I still have these <clears throat> memories of what it was like growing mm-hmm. up in a log cabin um, oh, along yeah. the reservoir and um, mm-hmm. and sharing that with my children because I never really thought about the fact I can say it, but it's not written. And mm-hmm. this, you know, I think that this, I think what you're, what you're doing, because you can feel the passion. I mean, there is no yeah. doubt about that, Steve. You, you can feel the passion <laughs> of what you're doing. And, and for you to be able to, frankly, close this year out for me um, on such a high note. And it's not that my well, other shows are, are Debbie Downers or anything oh, like that, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, this is, this is really sensational, I think, what you're doing. And we can't say goodbye without mentioning Diane Kane, because if it yes. was not for Diane Kane, mm-hmm. and I hope she's listened to the whole show, Diane, oh, but she if will. it was not for Diane Kane, I wouldn't have met you. And Diane right. was on my show this past year as well, because I know what she feels about, and I know that she is part of your board. And, yes. Um, oh, yes. Her connections so to other authors yes. are so valuable. Uh, again, you, you know, she is responsible for finding me half the people in my book every time. So, yes, she is totally indispensable. Um, I, I love having her support. You know, I love that I, she's I behind me 100%. Um, you know, and, you know, and we work out ways in which if technology is a problem with my older writers trying to submit Diane is my sort of go-to person to help them manage the portal and get their submission in because we're, we're as much as, you know, as much as it is a learning curve to any of these writing processes, um, we, we will, we will be accommodating. We, we want to hear your story. We want you to be a part of us um, as long as you want to be a part of us. Kind of sure. Thing. If you well, want to, if think... you want to stand out on your own, I guess that's your business, but I think mm-hmm. the majority of people who want to be in, who want to be in our book, just because they want to and desire it will end up in our books. There you go. What more could you ask for? So Mm -hmm. a shout-out to her, a shout-out to you. 
Uh, I wish you the best in this new year. I hope everyone will go out and buy this book. You can get it on Amazon. I'll make sure that I um, have that hyperlinked on the follow-up. But thank Thank you. you. And, you know, we're going to have to talk next year, you know, when you've you've got your next, you know, I I love the title. Um, We're going to have to talk about Cascades. Yes, you are (laughs) with Cascades and Currents. You know, I think that's just tremendous. And so I'm going to, I know it's already um, after 5 o'clock by you, um, so I just yeah. want to thank you for your time today and for all that you're doing for the young people and, and schools that you teach, the high school kids and those college kids. There's an opportunity for all of those writers out there, and um, it's just beyond the pathway. So thank you so much, Steve. It, this has really just been a, a pleasure having you with me today. Same here. You're very welcome. I can't wait to talk again. Very much. <laughs> and very talk, good. talk, oh. talk as the radio. <laughs> there we go, because, you know, what is your story is what we're both all mm-hmm. about. So happy holidays, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. Same. And Thank I you, look everyone. Forward, yes, and I look forward to having you join me next year. Happy holidays. Mm-hmm. Bye for now.